What's up, guys? Welcome to this month's bonus episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. In a moment, you'll listen in on this month's Shoreline, where a high school student shares their testimony of God's work in their life, followed by a message which we believe will be helpful and applicable to your life as a teenager. We're so glad you're here, and without further delay, let's tune in. Hi, my name is Easton Brown. I'm a senior at J.J. Pierce High School. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from porn, pride, depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, dishonesty, and control. I grew up in a family who loved the Lord and would encourage me towards Him. For as long as I can remember, I've been trying to live up to expectations I put on myself. I remember coming home one day from first grade so upset that I've gotten in trouble again. I felt like I wasn't good enough for God. This gospel became real to me at this moment. God knew I wouldn't be perfect, and he sent his son for me, even in my worst moments, to pay for all my mistakes. I understood what Christ had done for me, and that he sealed my eternity through the cross. Despite this truth, pride in my actions and the need to be good enough would stay a part of my story. Growing up, I was the good Christian kid. People would say I was wise beyond my years because of my knowledge of my Bible and kids' ministry in small group. Even my friends saw me as the super Christian, or at least that's what the persona I thought I had. I took so much pride in my actions and spiritual life that when I messed up, I quickly tried to cover it up, only bringing more sin and disappointment into my life. I became an expert perception manager. Everyone thought I was on the right track, but throughout my life, I was slowly losing the weight more and more. The first time I looked up porn was fourth grade. I was ashamed of what I'd done and knew it was wrong, but I couldn't mess up the image I had worked so hard to get. So I lied and covered it up. I committed to never do it again and continued to live a life that looked good on the outside. I fell again in fifth and sixth grade multiple times. Meanwhile, I kept up the perception of spiritual growth and a deep understanding of myself. I was fast enough on my feet to lie through conversations with others and my parents. The mounting pressure to keep up to expectations while falling quickly further behind led me to hate my parents for not understanding how I was feeling. I hated how they put pressure on me to live up to standards and would only try to fix me instead of loving me. In eighth grade at D-Town, I heard a talk about purity and felt so convicted about everything I had been hiding. For the first time in my life, I came clean about everything, yet nothing in my heart changed through it. When I messed up months later, I didn't feel like I could confess again. I had already messed up, finally got it into the light, and was free from it. I couldn't do that again. I was so confused why confession didn't work. I would think, wasn't this supposed to free me from my sin so I didn't have to deal with it again? Later that summer, I went to camp and felt this overwhelming presence of God weighing on me to stop living a life not fully committed to him. I started pursuing Christ relationally for the first time in my life and again confessed all my sin to my parents and peers. Yet, I found myself stuck again. When I slipped up, I went back to hiding. I was stuck in my sin all of my freshman, sophomore, and half of my junior year. Slowly, my heart became more and more hardened. I was always lying to cover up anything inconvenient for me to deal with or explain. The people around me would have still said I was a super Christian I displayed for everyone but I continued to know how to navigate conversations with correct answers and depth without any conviction or change. Then I completely lost my faith. I didn't believe in God, or if I did, I didn't care. I told myself lies to cope, like if confession worked, you wouldn't have this problem right now. And if God was real, why did he make it so hard to follow him? I continued to live a good life on the outside that was unrepresentative of my heart that was poisoned and needed saving. The reality of my heart started to come to the surface and I was quicker to lie to people and do things I wasn't supposed to do but were morally okay. The corruption of my heart started to take full control of my actions in the summer going into my junior year. I started talking to a girl, and the relationship naturally progressed, and I crossed emotional and physical boundaries I said I would never cross. 
I remember hearing stories like mine when I was younger saying I would never get to that point. Honestly, I thought I was going great during this time in my life. I felt happier and more alive and I could do anything I wanted. I enjoyed returning to sin again and again. I chased my comfort and happiness at all costs, yet everything I chased didn't fill me and only left me wanting more. As this relationship continued, I did my best to hide it from my friends and family. Still, rumors started to grow about, around my relationship, and I saw a text on my parents' computer from someone who wanted to talk to my dad about the things he had heard about me. In December of 2021, everything I had fought for came crashing down. I knew I had to expose everything but before my parents found out themselves. That night was the scariest night of my life. I told my parents everything I had been hiding, including my porn addiction, the relationship I had had hidden from them. As everything I kept in the darkness came into my light, my friends distanced themselves from me and wouldn't talk to me. I remember a night as everything was unfolding, sitting in my car, afraid to start driving because I didn't know what I would do behind the wheel. My parents met me with grace and love despite everything I had been hiding. My dad wrote me the next, a note the next day saying, this is day one of your journey towards freedom. It is now day 298 of my journey, and it wasn't easy, yet God was faithful through it all. I wrote in my journal a few weeks later saying, I can't see any of this ending well or going any differently than it did the last couple of times. I sneak around, it's what I do best. For the first time in my journey, I didn't hit rock bottom. Rock bottom had hit me. I felt broken and lost, and I had no solution to my problem and still wanted nothing to do with faith or God. But out of obedience to my parents, I started reading a book called Freedom Starts Today by John Elmore. The first page says, traditionally as people war against sin and fall, they feel it didn't work and give up trying. I couldn't think of words that better described how I felt. Over the following months, the Lord did a work in my life that I can't explain. As people around me started to invest in my life, I stopped feeding my flesh and fed my spirit through prayer and reading his word. I saw the power of verses like Galatians 5.16, but I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. As part of the book, I texted my dad and brothers daily, committing myself through God's strength for the next 24 hours to avoid any lustful temptations. The solution to my supernatural sin issue was a supernatural strength that only came from God. Daily repentance and daily dependence on the Lord to give me strength and change my desires allowed me to start experiencing freedom I had never experienced before. When my flesh grew weaker and my spirit grew stronger, I began to see God change my desires into things of Him. The change wasn't quick or fun, and there were many hard days. It was slow and painful, and I fell back into sin multiple times, but I started to grow through daily repentance. There were several, several nights when I was depressed and didn't know if I wanted to continue to fight, but looking back, I see how God was with me through it all. He gave me so much peace during challenging situations. He created a community around me that I could go to with my struggles and get biblical advice. He created convictions in me that I never had felt before and strengthened me to pursue holiness. He allowed me to go to the girl and apologize for I had misled in that relationship. I got to ask for forgiveness from my friends for lying to them and not being in the light as Jesus calls me to be. I've experienced over 10 months of freedom from porn, but my prayer remains the same, that through God's strength, would be able to stay free from muscle temptations for the next 24 hours. God continues to teach me dependence on him in everything I do and the practice of renewing my mind on his word. All the change I've seen in my life and the freedom I see now is not because of my work or because I've made it, but it's only been God in his grace revealing himself to me, making a change I could never. I continue to pursue holiness, but I know that Christ is the only one that can change me. And while I'm here on earth, I will never be perfect in my faith. 
I'm still broken, hurting, and still struggling with fully believing and trusting God. But in His grace, He continues to remind me of the truth, the Spirit, and the amazing people around me. I don't know if there's anything I could have said to myself while I was in my sin to change, but to those with stories similar to mine, my advice is that sin will always lead to death, and life in Christ will lead to joy, peace, comfort, and freedom that can be found in Him. I wish I had believed these truths, and the crazy part is the Bible is so clear about it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. John 10.10 I don't know where you are tonight in your relationship with Christ, but know that there is freedom and life to be found in Him. I pray that you wouldn't have to experience all the consequences of sin before you decide to trust and depend on the Lord entirely. I pray that you wouldn't wait to confess and miss walking the freedom He offers. Thank you for letting me share. Amen. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Will McElroy. If we haven't got to meet, I'm the Shoreline Men's Coordinator, and I'm excited to be here tonight and to just get to continue our series called See You at the Shoreline. And if you're new to Shoreline or uh, if you're not familiar with the history of Shoreline, uh, the, I want to tell you why we, we call ourselves Shoreline, why that's the name of our ministry. And the reason why is if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, then you'll see a common theme that shows up. And one of the common themes that shows up is that Jesus, he often taught at the shoreline, that when large crowds would gather, he would uh, get to the shoreline and oftentimes get on a boat and teach to the crowds. And so uh, that is what inspired the name for our high school ministry at Watermark, Shoreline. And this year, uh, we, we thought it'd be just a fun and great idea just to look at those teachings that inspired the name behind this ministry and to look at the times where Jesus taught at the shoreline and to teach them to you guys and to learn with them with you guys. And so tonight we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. And if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4 and we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus taught from the shoreline. Now before we get there, you, like I said, you can go ahead and start turning there in your Bible, but while you're turning there, I want to tell you a story, and this story will, will set up uh, our time tonight, and uh, before I even tell the story, I want to ask you, this, raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand if, if you are in FFA, is anyone in FFA? Okay, I honestly, I, we got, Peyton was in FFA, Peyton, what does FFA stand for? Future Farmers of America. How many of y'all have even heard of FFA? So we got some hands. We got some hands. Well, uh, when I was in school, I went to a small school about an hour away from here. There were 54 kids in my class. And I thought every student, I, I think I really thought this for uh, quite a while. I thought every student was involved with FFA. Because when I was in school, that was like the cool thing to do. Like all the cool kids, they were future farmers of America. And now I'm no farmer, but I was like, I got to be, to fit in, I got to go to FFA. And so what, you may not know this, but people in FFA, they do things such as like raise cattle or uh, they, they raise, uh, what else do they do? They raise chickens, they judge milk. There's a milk judging team. My sister, she actually got a full ride scholarship uh, because she was one of the best chicken judges, poultry judges in the state. And so like FFA is this uh, big thing. And uh, I got asked one day, the FFA coach, if you will, he came to me and said, well, we are going to start a soil judging team, a soil judging team. And there's four people on this team 
and we have three people and we think you should be our fourth guy. And I was like, I'm in, I'm in coach. And so he's like, okay, we have a, we have a competition like uh, this weekend. He's like, can you make it? I'm like, I can make it. And so uh, me and these four guys, we get in a van and we go to this, we go to this farm. And here's a picture coming up just to give you an idea of what we're doing. Now, that's not me. This is like a stock photo of, of kids land judging. But believe it or not, every spring, uh, I want you to think about this when springtime comes around. There are groups of kids getting in vans and buses, going across the country to sit on piles of dirt and judge soil. And so uh, I get to my first competition and my coach, we get off the van and he nudges me. He says, hey, you see that guy? And he points to this guy. He's got a mullet. He's probably 6'4". He's got nice cowboy boots, some nice blue jeans, like a button-up shirt, a cowboy hat, and a turkey feather in the hat. And he looked like a, like a man. And my coach tells me, he's like, that guy's the best soil judger in the state. And I'm like, I, okay, I get it. I get it. And uh, so I made it. When he told me that, I was like, I'm going to do whatever this guy does for this whole competition. Like it's probably three hours long and you're going from pile of dirt to pile of dirt and you're filling out a scantron that's like how sandy is the soil on a scale of one to five? How much clay is in the soil on a scale of five? Question like words like loamy. I've never heard the word loamy in my life, but it's like how loamy is this soil? And this guy, I'm following this guy and the first thing he does, he goes to a mound of dirt, he picks up a handful of dirt and just eats it. He eats it, and I'm like, I guess I got to eat this dirt, right? And so I start eating the dirt, and I start, like, like he does, I'm like, man, I, I, it's like, how sandy is the soil? I'm like, I don't, it just tastes like dirt. I just tastes, I don't even know. And so we go through the competition, and uh, there's about maybe 200 people here, and I'm bottom 10. Like, I, I got bottom 10 was my result. And I was like, what did I do wrong? I did everything this guy did. And uh, my coach, when we had our next competition, he didn't even tell me. Uh, I didn't even get asked to go back. Like he found a fourth guy because I was so bad and he didn't even tell me I got kicked off the team. But that was my, that was my experience with, with land judging. And uh, now if you've already turned your Bible to chapter four of Mark, then you know why I started with that story. Because tonight we're looking at the parable of the sower, otherwise known as the parable of the four soils. And if you don't even know what a parable is, it's simply this. A parable was stories that Jesus used and told to share deeper truths about God and his kingdom. And so we're looking at the parable of the four soils. And Jesus, he's going to uh, describe four types of soils in this parable. And I think each soil uh, represents different people in this room. So the reason I started the story, the funny story about me and my life being a land judger is I want us to get in a similar mindset where uh, I want you to judge the soil of your heart because the soils that Jesus describes tonight are the soils and states of your heart. So by the end of the night, I want you to honestly and authentically be able to judge uh, the soil of your heart. So we're going to do that. We're going to start by reading uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and we'll skip a few verses and and finish off the parable. But uh, follow along with me as we read uh, Mark chapter 4. So again, he began to teach beside the sea. This is Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. 
And he was teaching them many things in parables. And his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so uh, imagine with me, Jesus is on a boat. He's teaching a large crowd. His disciples are there. And then afterwards, when he's done teaching, the disciples and a few others, they're, they're kind of curious, right? Uh, they're kind of curious, like, and they're wondering, what did, what did Jesus mean by that parable? And they ask a great question. And it's a question that some of you should ask anytime you're reading God's word and don't understand it. You should ask, what does that mean? And so they go to the source. They know that they can't figure out the meaning by themselves. And so they go to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, can you uh, explain this parable to us? And so let's look at verse 14 because Jesus is gracious enough to just blatantly describe what, he was, uh, what, what point he was trying to get across. And so verse 14, Jesus picks up and is explaining this parable. He says, the sower sows the word. And so the seed that the sower and the farmer was throwing out, uh, what does that represent? That represents the word of God. And so the sower is sowing the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for the other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So that's a parable, and now I want to, to break it down. I want to work through each soil, the first soil, second third soil, third soil, fourth soil. I want to talk about each soil, and like I said at the start, is I think there are students in this room that represent each soil. And so I want us at the end of the night to honestly reflect on, on this passage and this parable and what we're about to talk about, and for you to honestly reflect and ask yourself, which soil am I? So let's look at the first soil. I call this soil, I, I, gave, I gave them kind of names. I think this may be helpful for you to understand. But the first soil, I call it the, the unmoved soil. The unmoved soil. And so again, it, this one is described in verse 15. This is the first soil, the unmoved soil. This is how Jesus describes the unmoved. He says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. That's the unmoved soil. So who are these people? 
Like practically, who are these people? I, I think these are the people who, uh, they may be the ones who are actively rejecting uh, God's word and the gospel. These may be the people you know that they're like, I'm an atheist, I'm proud of it, or I don't even believe in Christianity, and like, I'm proud of that. They're just actively rejecting God's soil. That, that is someone who I would say is uh, in the unmoved category. But there's another type of person who is also, I would say, in the unmoved soil. And that person was me. That was Will for most of his life. For the first 18 years of my life, here is how it went. Every Wednesday night, I went to small group at my church, to youth group. Every Sunday, I went to church, uh, and that was my life. No sports. My parents wouldn't let us uh, go to sports and replace a Sunday. Like it, rain, snow, hail, like we were going to church on Sunday. I was there every Sunday of my life. But if you would have asked me when I was 16 or 17, if you would have said, hey, Will, do you believe in Jesus? I'd say, Absolutely. Now, if you would ask me, well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. Do you believe in the gospel? Yeah. What's the gospel, Will? Uh, I don't know. That would have been my answer when I was 16, 17, because I was unmoved. And what's crazy is when I got to college, when I got to college, I'll explain more of my story later on in the message, but there came a point where I wanted to take my faith seriously. And I, I went to the only church I knew of in my college town that had a college ministry. And I show up to this college ministry and I'm ready for the first time in my life to take my faith seriously, to take the next steps. And so I go to the college pastor after his message. His name was Jake Womack. And I go to Jake and, and I ask Jake, I said, hey, Jake, you don't know me. My name's Will. Uh, like I, I, I just decided like a week or two ago that I want to pursue the Lord seriously. Like what do I need to do? And he said, uh, Will, you need, to, you need to start reading the Bible. Like, you should start reading the Bible. That'd be a great place to start. And I say, okay, what should I read? And he says, you should read the Gospels. And I asked him, I said, what are the Gospels? Now, if, if you don't know, if you're like me and you didn't know what the Gospels were, that's what we, we call the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the, the four books of the Bible that describe uh, Jesus' life and describe his teaching and the good news that uh, he came to earth for you because he loved you and died for your sins and rose from the dead and that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Like those are the Gospels and they're described in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I grew up for 18 years going to church every Wednesday and Sunday and I didn't know what the Gospels Gospels were, and that's because I was unmoved. It's not because no one told them, no one shared the gospels with me, no one shared, it's not because no one told me, it's because I didn't listen. I didn't care to listen because I was unmoved by his word. And so some of you, maybe when you're 25 or 35 or 65, this is gonna be your story. You're gonna be like, I grew up going to church every Sunday, uh, but I didn't believe in God and no one shared the gospel with me growing up. And if I'm with you in that moment, I'm going to ask you like, really? Is that really what happened? Because that's what I used to say. But then I became honest with myself and I was like, no, it wasn't because no one told me the gospel when I was 16 or 17. That's not why I didn't believe. That's not why uh, I was unmoved. The reason I was unmoved was because I didn't want to listen to the gospel. I didn't care enough. 
And so just so that no one has any excuse in this room, I want to read a few verses that just, I think, just so clearly describe the gospel. And this is 1 John 5, 11, uh, through 13. It says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That's the gospel. And that's the first soil, the unmoved. The second soil, this is the, what I call, uh, the first soil is the unmoved. The second soil is what I call those who have selective hearing, the selective hearing soil. It's described in verses 16 and 17. And it goes like this. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And so uh, there's going to be a couple pictures that I think that will describe the selective hearing. And so the first one is this is a, this is a plant. And you can't really tell in this photo from this angle, but that's on the second floor of our apartment. So my wife and I, we've lived in an apartment for the last few years. And this plant, it's on the second floor. Now that is a, uh, again, I'm an FFA guy. That's not really like a plant. This is a tree. That's an American elm tree. And uh, I thought it was funny that this plant was growing on our balcony and this little tiny crack. And so I was watering it. Like I started watering it every week. I was like, I want this thing to just like grow into this big old tree and just, I think it'd be awesome. And so I start watering it every single week. Well, this past summer, it was a pretty hot summer, as many of you guys know. And uh, the students team, we went on, we took some students to the Dominican Republic on a, uh, a discipleship trip. And we were gone for a week, and my wife, she forgot to water it for me. And this is what it looked like when I got back. Uh, dead. My plant's dead. Why did it die? All the other trees outside in the forest and in the ground, they didn't die, but my tree died. Why? You know why. Because it didn't have any roots. It had maybe an inch worth of soil. And so uh, it was relying on just me constantly watering it. And the second things got hard, the second it got hot, it died. And I think uh, this describes some of you tonight. You have selective hearing. I worked at Canacook for four summers. And I remember there was a couple students that every summer, it was the same story every single summer. And here's how it went. I say, hey, what's up, man? Like, how was your year? How was your school year? You know, it was really great, Will, uh, except it was kind of my faith wasn't, wasn't that great because well, it started off good. You know, once I left camp last summer, I was kind of like on that camp high, you know, for a month or two. Like I was in my Bible every day, like my porn addiction, like I was beating, I was, I was getting rid of that. Like it was gone for a month. I went without watching it, but then uh, I started to get tempted or things got a little hard and my faith, like I just kind of like neglected my faith. And then the second summer, I asked him, well, how's your year? How's your faith been this year? Same story. Same story. And by the fourth summer, I remember finally looking a kid just in his eyes and telling him, like, dude, you, you need to stop giving your life to Jesus. And now that may kind of shock you, the phrasing I'd say that, but the point, the reason I said that was like, I was like, man, you, 
you've already given your life to Christ and you're giving your life to Christ every single summer and uh, it hasn't been working. And why has it not been working? Uh, Well, because your roots are so shallow. And so what you need to do is you need to stop living on these camp highs or these D-town highs. And what I want you to do is I want you just to dive in this year. Dive into community, the word, God's people. So here's some questions to help you determine if you maybe are this second soil, the selective hearing soil. Has your faith been dependent on the camp high? Does it feel like you are not as close to the Lord as you used to be? Or how do you respond when temptation and trials come your way? I think by honestly answering those questions, you you can help yourself determine if you are the selective hearing. So the first two soils, that was the unmoved soil. Then we have the selective hearing soil. And then now there's the third soil. I call this one the, the distracted soil. The distracted soil. Let's look at verses 18 and 19. And this is how Jesus describes the distracted soil. And so it says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And now let me tell you something. I've been doing uh, high school ministry either part-time or full-time for the past six years, and I have met with, at this point, probably thousands of students in the Dallas area or the, the general Bible Belt area of, of the nation. And I would say without a doubt that most of you tonight fall into this third category, this distracted soil. The distracted soil. And to describe this soil, I, I actually got a plant. I went to Trader Joe's and, and bought a plant. And uh, now let's pretend this plant represents your faith and that there's been a, a real faith in your life. Maybe it was at crossroads when you were in the crossroads or at wake or when you were younger. Maybe you have Christian parents and you grew up in a great home and you're like, man, I genuinely have a faith, Will. Like I'm not the, the unmoved soil. Uh, and like I, I genuinely try to get in God's word and go to small group. And it's like there's like, a real faith there, Will. And I'm like, that's awesome. But uh, I, think, I think some of you may have that, but you're a little distracted. And so what I mean by that is uh, I lead a seventh grade boys small group. And I asked them, they're in middle school now for the first time ever. And I was like, what are, what are some things that are hard about middle school? And they told me, they're like, for the first time in my life, I really care about how I dress. These are seventh grade boys. And so I'm sure some of you guys, now that you're in high school, that's really true for you. And so here's your faith, right? That's important to you, but uh, maybe you're starting to get a little distracted and, and you're really just prioritizing how you, how you dress, what you're going to wear. So let's put that on top. And then uh, a lot of you, you, you play sports, right? You play sports, uh, which is a great thing, but that marks your life. The sports, they mark your life. So we'll just uh, put that right there. Uh, and, then, and then some of you, you're like, I'm not going to be in high school forever, I want to go to college. And so the grades, you're like, I need to start making good grades. And then that starts ruling your life. And then, then you uh, get, get a job. You got a summer job. And you're like, man, the money is great. So uh, I'm going to start caring about money. And then you have a phone. And now uh, your parents have let you have 
Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and so, and it's awesome and your screen time's crazy and that's all you care about and, and uh, not that those are bad things, but they're ruling your life. And so now this is what uh, your faith looks like. It's there. It's kind of there, but it's covered up. It's been overshadowed by the distractions of this world and I think that's where most of you are tonight. Now, are these bad things? Of course they're not bad things. You need money. You need clothes. I ran track and cross country in college. I love sports. If you want to do sports, I encourage you to do sports. But some of you, you, you want God's kingdom. You want God's kingdom. But what you really want more is you want to build your kingdom on top of God's kingdom. And so here's a question to describe uh, soil number three that I want you to ask yourself to maybe uh, help you determine if, if you're the third soil. Is your faith the same as it was five years ago? Is your faith the same as it was five years ago or maybe even one year ago or 10 years ago? And what I mean by that is if, you, if I asked you, said, hey, how have you grown in your relationship with God since you were in Wake or since last year? And if your answer is like, I don't know, or not much at all, or in fact, it's maybe gotten worse, I've gotten further from the Lord, then I would say, I think maybe, maybe you've begun to prioritize and distract yourself with the things of this world. So those are the first three soils, the unmoved soil, the selective hearing soil, the distracted soil, and now there's one more soil, and I just call this one the the good soil, the good soil, that's what Jesus calls it. And let's look at verse 20. How does Jesus describe the good soil? Well, he says this, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And so out of all the four soils, the one that Jesus describes the least is this soil, the good soil. And the reason I think he spends so little time describing the good soil is because you know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. All of you know it when you see someone who has received God's word, accepted it, applied it to their lives, and they haven't kept it to themselves, but they're like, I want to go share this with others. And there's one guy in my life that I always look back on for encouragement that I, I know that he is what we could, would call like good soil. He's got the softest heart and is just always listening to God and what God's will is for his life. And his name is Pastor John John. And a few of you in this room, y'all know no pastors, John John, and there he is right next to Jermaine and Kaylee, and uh, this was in Key West. We went down to Key West and took uh, students there two years ago for a discipleship trip and met Pastor John John, and uh, I love this man because when, when I met this man, there was just a overwhelming joy on his heart and a desire to share God's word and his truth with his people in Key West, Florida. And uh, he's Haitian, and something about Pastor Jean Jean, and he's, he's a bright man. He got his master's in mechanical engineering. He could be doing a lot of, a lot of really well-paying, uh, successful jobs. But what he decided to do instead when he moved to Key West from Haiti is he decided to go work at a heating and air business on the side and then spend most of his time pastoring a church that reached out to the Haitian refugees. 
And we did a VBS this week, and there was probably 40 or so students that showed up every day. And I could tell, even though they were young, they had the utmost respect for Pastor John John. And I remember asking Pastor John John, I was like, why do these students love you so much? And he just says, he's, he told me, it's because they know I love them, and they know I love their parents, and they know that I would do anything for them and their parents. And that was a man that he, I, I just know without a doubt, he has set aside everything, every distraction. He has laid aside all for the gospel, all for Christ. And when he gets to heaven, I think there are going to be hundreds of people from Key West that they're going to be like, the reason I'm here, the reason I'm worshiping God in heaven is because of that man, is because of Pastor John John. And so I think he is someone who describes that for soil, the good soil. And I think there are some of you here tonight that that soil describes you. But I think it could be true for all of you tonight. And I'll close with this, is that uh, I think it would be easy, at least for me, to have been discouraged if I were being honest with myself. Uh, and for some of you, you may feel discouraged at the end of this message because you answer some of those questions and you'll be like, man... Well, the, the selective hearing soil, the camp highs, that's described my faith. Or the, the distracted soil, that's me. Like I, I love God, but I love other things a little more. That's me. And you feel discouraged. And so I want to give you just, just some hope, just the greatest hope. And I'll finish with my story. And I hope it gives you some hope. Because... The soils, it's not, just because you're one soil tonight doesn't mean you can be a different soil to, tomorrow. And so what happened to me is freshman year of college, again, I grew up in the church, uh, but when I get to college, I'm like, this is, this is my chance. This is my chance to uh, be my own man. I had a strict dad growing up. And so when I get to college, I was like, I'll finally be free to do whatever I want, to live life as I want. And, and so that's what I'm going to do. And so I get to college and I start uh, partying. I start dating girls. I start uh, putting my entire security in my sports, which was cross country and track. And that's all I cared about. And then I hit rock bottom, or as Easton would say, rock bottom hit me because I found out that uh, this relationship I was in was suddenly gone. And then I got injured. I couldn't run anymore. My team was counting on me. And then I checked my grades for the first time that semester. And I realized I was failing half my classes. And so as Easton said, rock bottom hit me. And then a guy on campus, a guy on campus, uh, when I was in the midst of just that rock bottom moment, he came to me and shared the gospel with me and said, hey, Will, like you can be uh, saved tonight. And all you have to do is just uh, believe that Jesus is Lord and c confess with your mouth that he, that Jesus raised from the dead and you will be saved. There's nothing else you need to do. There's no works or anything you need to do. And so I, I did that. And then I went and got plugged into that church that I mentioned earlier. And got, met Jake Womack, who I mentioned earlier. And I started to do, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I started to do the things that a lot of you have said you were going to do. And what I mean by that is, whatever Jake told me to do, I kept going to Jake Womack. And I was like, what should I, like, what else can I do to grow in my faith? Like, I just want to know God more. Like, I want to I just 
growing my knowledge of God more. And so he kept meeting with me and kept pouring into me. And I just started to get plugged into this church, started to serve at this church, got plugged into the community and started to have some accountability. My pornography addiction that I was trying to fight, well, uh, I, I finally was able to, to continue to find victory over that because I was like, there's going to be no secrets between me and my brothers in Christ. Like anytime I'm tempted, uh, I'm going to share with them. And so my life within just a few months, it moved from this unmoved soil to this soft, good soil where I was just receiving and listening to what God would have for me. And I think that can be true for you tonight. And now, now, six years later, every day is a battle where I have to make a decision like today, this very hour, am I going to be the unmoved soil? Am I going to be the distracted soil or am I going to be choose to be the good soil who is listening and attentive to God's word and what he would have for my life? And so uh, Josh is up here and as we finish, he's going he's gonna to sing uh, Build My Life, right? One more time. And now a lot of us, we've been trained whenever we worship just to stand up. And uh, some of you guys, if you stand up, if you want to stand up and uh, worship in that way, that's wonderful. But I think for some of you, the best thing you can do for these next three minutes or so while Josh sings is to get out your phone, get on your notes app, or get on your journal, and just start writing. And start asking yourselves these questions. Which soil are you tonight? And then I would encourage you, before you leave tonight, to share with someone. If there's anything you've been hiding or holding on to that's just been burdening, burdening you, ears, let them hear. Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for uh, this message and just this parable. And uh, I pray, God, that we can begin to listen to your word and your truth uh, and what you would have for our lives. And that uh, no matter what soil we are tonight, that I pray there is no shame in this room or no guilt in this room, but just that uh, your spirit, God, would just uh, show us truth and give us this conviction through your spirit to make the changes that we may need to make or make the confession that we may need to make in order to find freedom, God. And so uh, we love you and we need you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Watermark Students podcast. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org students. And we love you guys so much. We're glad you joined us. We hope you share this episode with a friend and we'll talk to you next time.